0: Today our reading for the sermon will be from Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 4. If you have a copy of God's Word, I encourage you to open it, uh, whether it's in print or on your phone or whatever, we pray that you would open your Word and we would do it together. Before we read from God's holy and inerrant Word, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you do speak to us this day through your word. Father, I pray that you would till our hearts, plow in our hearts deep troughs to receive your word, nurture the the seed and cause it to grow that we would bear fruit for you and for you alone pray that the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 4. When a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil, and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what the parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others they are in parables." So that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard, and the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. The ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hear in the word, hold fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will be not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will, not, will, will be taken away. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. This is the word of the Lord. You could say that I am a jack of all trades. I have enough knowledge in many things to answer almost any question you might have. Now, I may not have the most right, perfect answer for you, but it won't be entirely wrong either. Working in Christian camping ministry has really given me this jack-of-all-trades status. One week, I'd be running a zip line for a group, and the next week, I'd be cutting down a tree with a chainsaw. A week later, I'll be giving a wagon tour around the campground, and the next day, I'm designing an ice rink to fit inside a picnic shelter. One thing we often needed to do was regrow patches of grass after the summer camping season had ended. And when it comes to many acres of grass, it's really not hard to grow grass. You throw some seed down, you till the ground a little bit, and it would grow over time. And then you wait for it to flower, and you cut it a few times before winter. Growing grass at my home is a little different. You see, I still scattered the seed like normal, but for some reason, I couldn't get sustained growth. The seed was fine. The issue was not the seed. The issue was the soil was where the seed landed. You see, the seeds were having trouble growing because the soil was not good. Not to mention, I found evidence of grubs. Yay, me. In our text today, Jesus is talking about sowing seed among different soils. He's also talking about lighting lamps. But most importantly, he's talking about the gospel work. As well, our text divides neatly into three sections. We'll see the parable, the purpose, and the punchline. In order to properly work through this though, we will look to connect each part of the parable of the soil with its explanation, and then we'll get to the parable of the lamp, and then we'll get to the point where Jesus' family comes to see him to say hi. The theme of our text today is this, proper spiritual soil preparation gives way to real spiritual growth. We'll see this theme in three ways, hear and receive the word, hear and share the word, And hear and obey the word. If you are the kind of person who likes to take notes, if you look inside your bulletin, on the back of one of the papers in there, you'll see a page for you to take notes. Receive the word, share the word, and obey the word. Now this first section, we will see that Jesus exhorts us to hear and receive the word. And As I said, we will take each part of the parable of the soils with its explanation This first point will probably be a little bit longer than the other two because we have more ground to cover. Now, despite all my random knowledge that I have, I don't know much about farming. I mean, I can guess how, I know how things grow, but I can guess that there are different ways to plow the ground, there are different ways to sow the seed. I'm not really sure what seeds grow best in certain climates. I do know that sowing seed is different depending on what you're sowing. right? Depending on what you want to grow, You sow differently. For example, I imagine that sowing seed for corn is different than wheat. With wheat, you want to get that seed everywhere. You want to get as much wheat as possible. But with corn, we typically want corn to grow in rows so it's easier for harvesting. In Jesus' day, they sowed the seed by hand because they didn't have machines. They would sow the seed by hand and then they would plow afterward. The seed would scatter everywhere. And here's where we pick up the four soils. First, the hard soil, verses 5 and 12. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path, and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. The ones along the path are those who have heard, Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. Now when I'm sowing my grass seed in my yard, I'm sowing the seed everywhere, right? I want grass growing everywhere in my yard it is inevitable that some seed is going to fall on the sidewalk, right? In our text, the the path that is being talked about is the path around the fields that people would walk. You wouldn't want to walk through the growing grain. And this path would be hardened by many years of walking. Any seed that landed on the path would have no hope because the soil is not ready to receive the seed. The dirt is hard. Jesus is very clear here. As sowing the seed is the seed of the gospel, there are some the seed has come to, but it is stolen from them because they're not ready to receive it. They do not believe and they are not saved. The problem is the seed does not penetrate the ground because it is hard. When a heart is hardened, the good news of the gospel does not pierce it. God gives people over to their sin. And if you desire something long enough, God will give you over to it. And a heart that continues to harden will not be pierced by the good news. Instead, it will actually shun the good news. Second, we look at the shallow soil, verses 6 through 13, 6 and 13, not through 13. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. The ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and, in a time of testing, fall away. Now, as I was reading to prepare for this sermon, I came across a commentator that said that this section of the parable is used to prove that people can indeed lose their salvation. Now, as someone who is steeped in Reformed theology, this thought didn't even cross my mind. As Reformed Christians, we believe in the perseverance of the saints. God's word is abundantly clear that not only is God's election of the believer perfect, but the believer is also protected and preserved until the end, until they go to be with the Lord. Just one verse here from Philippians 1, verse 6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Paul affirms this, the early church fathers affirm this, and so did the reformers. The shallow soil represents someone who has an emotional connection to the message of the gospel and responds quickly, but then loses interest. The seed begins to take root, but because under the soil it's very shallow, there are rocks, the roots hit the rock and they grow no more. The sun comes out, dries the plant, until it is dead. Sadly, this response to the gospel is all too real for most of us, Myself included. I've known many people in my lifetime who have responded to the gospel like this. You see, while working in camping ministry is really great for providing sermon illustrations, it also shows many who seem to be on fire for God at one point in their life and then let their fire go out. When trial or testing came, they folded under pressure and decided that God was not worth following. Now the concept of the perseverance of the saints is hard for some. There are some people who don't like this doctrine because they think it's a cop-out when we say that the shallow soil person wasn't really saved because they go from what seems like a credible profession of faith to a complete scoffing of Christ. Here's the truth. We do not know the heart. Only God knows the heart. But we do know what fruitfulness is. And we know what fruitlessness is. When a tree bears fruit, you see the fruit. When a tree does not bear fruit, you don't see any fruit. If a tree is not bearing fruit, then it is not going to bear fruit at the harvest. apologize. I kind of lost my place there for a second. For those in Christ, God promises to nurture you and prepare you So that if you are in Christ, you will be nurtured continually. That is the perseverance of the saints. You see, the real test of a believer is not whether you raised your hand at one point to accept Christ, or whether you signed a card saying you would accept Christ, or whether you prayed a certain prayer. And those things aren't bad. But the real test of a believer is whether or not you are bearing fruit. Third, we'll look at the crowded soil. Verses seven and fourteen. Some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and their fruit does not mature. The ones who are highlighted here are also people who not were once saved and lost their salvation. The soil is good. It's ready to receive the seed. But as the seed grows, so do the thorns. The thorns choke the life out of the plant. What little fruit seems to sprout does not make it to harvest season. This reminds me of what people will call sometimes the camp high or the mission trip high. Right? You go to a Christian camp or you go on a mission trip or a discipleship trip, and the whole week you're flying high as a kite on the Word of God right? You're you're spending every day in the Word. You're hearing gospel preaching. You're doing morning and evening devotions. Maybe you're even journaling, right? You're spending all your time, all your extra time with the Lord. It's an awesome week, right? It's a great time. You feel so on fire for God. But then what happens? You go home. You told yourself you're going to keep up with your Bible reading, You're going to keep up with your time of prayer each day. But you also have a job, or maybe school. But you also have children to take care of. But you also have friends who want to see you. But you have to do chores around the house. But the car needs to be fixed. But I really need to get some sleep tonight because I have a big day tomorrow. But this, but that. Before you know it, Your butts have you sitting somewhere other than with the church on the Lord's Day. Now, all the things I just mentioned are not bad things in themselves. You should do the work that God has set before you, right? God has given you the ability to work. You should do that, right? God has given you the ability to care for your children. You should do that. But when all of the things of this life keep us from being a functioning member of the church, then I think our priorities need to be realigned. Being a functioning member of Christ's church liberates you to do your job or your schooling well unto the Lord. Being a functioning member of Christ's church frees you to care for your children, to teach your children in the way that Christ implores you to do. The point is this. The cares and the riches and the pleasures of this world keep us from being functioning members of the church of Christ. And the thorns have grown around the plant. They will continue to choke it and keep it from growing, which is a real problem. Friends, the things of this world will not last. God's word will stand forever. We must choose this day whom we will serve. Fourth, we look at the proper soil. Verses 8 and 15. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears, let him hear. As for that in the good soil, there are those who, hearing the word, hold fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. The seed takes root in the proper place because the Holy Spirit has prepared the soil. The Holy Spirit has tilled the soil. He has plowed the soil and it is ready for planting. And it's fertile. You see, Jesus gave this parable in the hearing of many people. Jesus is not impressed with the large herds of people following him. He knows their hearts. He knew which ones would be poor soil for planting, and he knew which ones would be fine soil that would accept the seed and see strong growth. Now, I know we combine those two sections dealing with the parable of the soils, but we should see that all of this stuff that we've just talked about is about how we receive the Word of God. How we receive the Word of God is important. Our lives go through seasons, sure, but we must remember that we don't just receive the seed once. We must continually seek to have the Holy Spirit making our hearts ready to receive the Word. Now, we'll talk about this at the end as well, but just a quick note, these four soils are not how we experience the gospel at different points in our life. When you are saved by Christ and you have been implanted with the seed and you are bearing fruit, you do not go back to the thorny soil. You do not go back to the shallow soil. You do not go back to the hard soil. For those who are in Christ, we continually receive the seed over and over and over again. That's why I pray throughout the week as I prepare this sermon that these words would be from God and not from me. That's why your elders and your deacons and the people of this church pray all week and on Sunday so that the people who are coming here would receive the word. That's why we fill our worship time with ample prayer that God would make all of our hearts, mine included, ready for planting. As we finish the parable of the soils, we now move to the next parable. Jesus talks to his disciples about sharing the word. We see this starting in verse 16. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. Now, I'm sure that most of you know the lamp we're talking about here is not a lamp as we understand. The lamp being referenced is a primitive form of a lantern, right? a, a small piece of pottery filled with oil and a, and a wick, basically a small candle. And these little candles would not give off much light. Now these lamps, like I said, they don't provide much light. It's not the kind of light like we're used to. It's basically a small birthday candle. A small little candle like a votive. I'm sure some of you ladies were surprised that I know what a votive is. Yes, I do enjoy candles. This is a really simple point that Jesus is making. If a person lights a lamp, if a person lights a candle, their next action is not to immediately cover it with a jar. For us today, that would be like hearing a noise in our home at night, turning on the bedside lamp to see, and then smashing the bulb. Right? We wouldn't do that. We need the light to see. Because the Word of God is truth, it would be silly to hide it. Rather, because we see the truth in God's Word, it should be given a place of prominence. That is why the pulpit is front and center. That is why when you come in this room, all eyes are drawn to the center. Not because of me, but because of God's Word. This is where the Word is preached. Jesus is making the point that truth should never be hidden. Now in the previous parable, the sower is God, right? Jesus is talking about himself as he's sowing the seed. But Jesus is transitioning now. He's now talking to the disciples. He's talking to them about their role in all of this because they are to proclaim truth. In verse 17, For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Now this this is kind of a cryptic statement. Jesus makes another one in a little bit, but this is referring to the day of judgment. Now there are two parts to what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying that a time will come when God's word will be manifest to all. It will be clear to all. And a day will come when all will kneel before the Lord and acknowledge Jesus as Lord to God be the glory. We can go back to Philippians again for that one. You may think it's foolish to light a lamp and then cover it right away, but even more foolish would be thinking we can hide anything from God. The second part of Christ's statement refers to all things that are secret or hidden will come to light. Now this, I won't lie, is a terrifying thought. Right? All things will be made known, all your deepest, darkest secrets, everything you've ever done, all of your sins, everything will be made known to all. The good news is that for those in Christ, we don't have to worry about this. Right? First, on that day, on that last day, our secrets won't matter. Right? Anything that we've held dear in the deepest part of our hearts won't matter. Second, when it comes to the listing of our sins before the Lord, yeah, that won't be fun. But when the judge seeks to apply the punishment for our sins that is due to us, all he sees is Christ's perfect righteousness. That is the good news. But Jesus has more words for us, though, in verse 18. Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Again, Jesus is a little cryptic here. But it is important to hear and to understand the word of God. But when we hear and understand the word of God, we are then obligated to share it. Everyone whose heart is prepared soil and receives the seed then becomes a sower. If we keep God's word to ourselves, then we will lose it. If we share the word of God, then we will be nourished more and more. That's what Jesus is saying, right? If we keep this gift of the seed to ourselves, then we're going to lose it. But if we share it, then we'll be given more and more. And as we're sharing the word, as the disciples are preparing to share the word, would it be not right, then, to obey the word that we're sharing? It would be kind of weird if we shared the word and then didn't obey it, right? If I told you that we need to do all these things and then I don't do it myself, it would be kind of hypocritical. hypocritical. Thus, Jesus Christ is telling us that we must not only hear the word and receive it, not only hear the word and share it, but we must hear the word and obey it. Verse 20. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. I enjoy this little interlude, right? The Bible does this sometimes where Jesus is talking about something extremely important and then something completely random happens, right? Jesus is teaching and someone comes and interrupts him. And some commentators have said that this is not something that happened after the parable of the lamp, but happened during the parable. Jesus is interrupted as he's teaching. Now, this happening would be the same as somebody coming in the doors, coming through these doors, coming up, standing next to me, just to tell me that my mother and brother are here to see me, and they want to talk to me. You should probably tell them to take a seat. It's going to take a little bit. Jesus is teaching about how to receive the word. And then he is talking about how it changes you to become a sower and to sow the word for others. He's talking about how the truth of God's word should not be covered up. Instead, it should be set on a high place that it would reach more people. And at this juncture, his family comes to him, and Jesus is going to take an opportunity here to teach again. He's going to teach how there is a difference between his biological family and his real family. Now You may ask, okay, well, what's really going on here? Well, we need to look kind of at the other gospel accounts. So you see, Jesus' mother and half-brothers, they're kind of worried about Jesus. Mark 3:21 tells us that his family thinks that Jesus is out of his mind, that Jesus is insane. We read earlier in Luke's Gospel that Jesus was rejected at Nazareth, that's in Luke 4:16 through30. This recounts Jesus going to the synagogue in Nazareth and reading from the scroll of Isaiah. Jesus reads from the section that is talking about the coming Messiah. And after he finished it, finishes it, he rolls it up and he gives it to the attendant. And he says, today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now, when we read that, it doesn't really come across the way that I think it would come across, right? This is actually one of my favorite parts of the gospel, is when Jesus does these funny things, right? Jesus comes into the synagogue, and he unrolls the scroll of Isaiah. Now, this is a scroll. This is not a book, right? This does not have chapters. This does not have bookmarks. He unrolls the scroll to the exact point he's going to read. That's a miracle in itself, friends. He unrolls the scroll and he reads from a part that's talking about the coming of the Messiah. It's talking about him coming. Then he rolls it up, hands it to the guy next to him, and he says, today this has been fulfilled in your hearing. I mean, that's the proverbial mic drop. Right? It's a a really cool story. But that's not how the story ends. How does the story end? The people of Nazareth drag Jesus to the cliff and prepare to throw him off. Right? They try to kill Jesus for what he's saying. Isn't this Joseph's son? Who is this guy? Who does he think he is? You see, Jesus is not afraid of what the world thinks. Jesus takes this moment to show his followers that there is a difference between your biological family and your real family. And he says this in verse 21. But he answered them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Now, I love my mother, I love my brother. I love them both. I love my family. Thankfully, they don't think I'm crazy. While I love them very much, in reality, I love all of you. Because you are my partners in the gospel. Right? We are a church family, the body of Christ. We work together. We strive together to sow the word to the world. We should hear the words of Jesus and do what the word calls us to do. See, James, Jesus' brother, he figured it out. Where James was once standing there saying, Hey, Jesus, we think you've got some weird things that you're saying. He figured it out. He indeed learned from this event, from this statement by Jesus. We see this in James chapter 1, verses 21-25. through 25. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. right? James got it. He got what Jesus was telling him to do, and then he put it into practice. And if James can get it, so can we, right? We give the disciples a hard time all the time because they were fishermen, right? And we think, well, if the lowly fishermen over here can get it, we can get it, right? The reality is, is they saw Jesus. They saw the truth, and it changed their lives, As Jesus is teaching on the parable of the soils, right, and the parable of the lamp, he gets to this moment where he gives this really profound statement My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. This is the punchline Be doers of the word. Let the word of God radiate throughout your mind and your heart and your spirit. The parable of the soil is to not tell us about how we respond to God's word at different moments in our lives. We are not sometimes hard soil and sometimes good soil, right? It's not the case that sometimes we're shallow soil and sometimes we're thorny soil. The parable sums up the ways the word is received over a lifetime of a believer. It talks about how we receive the word over our lifetime of exposure to the life-saving gospel of Jesus Christ. This parable calls us to reflect on our lives because at one point, we were the hard soil. At one point, we were the shallow soil. At one point, we were the thorny soil. But now, we have said the things of this world do not matter. We've asked God to plow deep in our hearts troughs to receive the seed, to nurture us, and to grow us that we would bear fruit. And if we desire to bear fruit, we must hold fast to the word of God. The choice is before us. We can either choose fruitfulness or we can choose barrenness. Again, the punchline, be doers of the word. It is our mandate to spread the word. It is our mandate to spread the good news of Jesus Christ to the world. Now we can sit here and we can comment how the world outside us is degrading. But how ready are we to do something about it? I'll be the first to tell you, this mission is a hard one. I'm often talking about how the world around me is degrading. But how quick are we to do something about it? If we strive to be doers of the word, then being a doer of the word means working to spread the word. It means sowing the seed of the gospel. It means scattering the seed no matter where it's going to end up. It means praying that God would till the hearts of the unbeliever. That the Holy Spirit would plow deep troughs in their hearts to receive the word. And then, and then it means praying for rain. The beginning of the year is a time when we tell ourselves that we're going to do something new. Right? We're going to be new people this year. I'm not really a fan of New Year's resolutions. I am a fan of choosing to do things that will advance the kingdom. Why? Because when we strive to advance the kingdom, the kingdom work changes us, it refines us. Right? If you want to change and be a better person, that's a great thing, right? But if we strive to do the work that God has set before us, God will change us. I want to encourage you this day. I want to encourage you to serve your church. Join in the areas that are in need of volunteers. Seek to aid the work that is radiating from this church out to the world around us. I want to encourage you in your Bible reading. Not because actually completing the Bible in a year earns you points with God. But what it does do is show you that you do value God's Word, that you care about God's Word. And it shows you that you actually have the five minutes a day it requires. I want to encourage you to be people of prayer. That when all things in your life are going poorly, when all things in your life are going wonderfully, that you would turn to God in prayer. Friends, let us be doers of the word. Our God has done a wonderful work by saving us. Something we didn't deserve. The question you need to ask yourself is this. Do I light a candle and cover it with a jar? Or do I put it on a pedestal that it might light the world around me? Do I light a candle and hide it? Or do I take my candle and go light my world? Let us resolve today to be doers of the word. Let us strive to do the work required to preach the gospel to the area around us that all the other townships around us would change because of the gospel work that starts right here. Because Christ indeed rescued us by his death and resurrection. And it would be selfish to not share the good news with the rest of the world. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have taken on the role of the farmer to prepare the soil of our hearts to sow the seed in abundance that where we once spurned you, where we once was resistant to your calling, you have softened our hearts that we would respond to you and throw ourselves at your feet saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And indeed, you were merciful. You gave us grace and mercy we didn't deserve where we deserved eternal separation from you. You have clothed us in white and brought us to your kingdom. You have said that you will dwell with me for all eternity. Lord, as we kick off this year of 2023, we remember loved ones that we've lost. We remember friends that maybe have moved away. We remember all different kinds of things, good and bad throughout our years. And as we hold those things in our heart, help us to look forward to what is coming. Lord, we are children of the promise. As we hope in what you have promised, let us look forward to your coming kingdom. And as we look forward to your coming kingdom, let us hope that it will be full of believers. Give us the boldness to do the work that is before us. I pray that you would Continue to keep us safe, Father, as we labor in your vineyards. I pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.